you're in a member of a group that doesn't have a GSR, you hear all these groups at their group conscience, you know, I get to attend a lot, and, and they say, you know, well, we're carrying the message really well when the newcomer comes in. And for me, that's not carrying the message. That's sitting on your arse waiting to deliver the message when somebody walks through the doors to pick it up. Carrying the message is going and talking to the doctors. It's going and talking to the prison authorities. It's getting out there and carry it physically. Pick up the message out of your home group and take it somewhere else. Don't sit waiting for the poor bedraggled alcoholic to walk through the door. You know, they might die before they make it. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, your voice sounds like clarified butter. Like ghee? <laughs> it's kind of deep well you know we're still getting over that laryngitis thing so um i've just got this fabulous rich tone to my voice right now carry so, on <laughs> so don i was on the uh the social media apps as i am wont to do yeah. and i saw something not too long ago that just really got me thinking about something so i want to read it to you all right it says, got a message recently from someone who wrote, I'm only at six days. And I understand the feeling that only in there is necessary, but I promise that nobody who made it to a year or a month or a week did it without doing those first six days. And I, it got me thinking and I crafted a, my own little comment on there, but then mm -hmm. it took me a minute to really get my thoughts together. And I ended up with this. The onlys are a way for my disease to sneak up on me. The onlys are a reservation, a way to minimize my sobriety. When the importance of my sobriety is minimized, thoughts of drinking or using can start to find justification and rationalization. After all, I only have X amount of time. I might as well drink. It's no big deal. Yeah, the onlys. You know, it's not surprising if an alcoholic takes a drink. Every day an alcoholic doesn't take a drink is a miracle. It, and that's why it's one day at a time. So I heard I was at a meeting this morning and a, and a guy talked about I only have three years. You know, it was a room full of old timers, mm -hmm. but three years is not only <laughs> a week isn't only. No, it comes back around to that humility definition being right sized, not being too big but also not playing small. Yeah. If I own my sobriety, however long it is, then I'm right-sized. And six days is a really big deal. It's a miracle. All of these times that we're able to go without drinking, that thing that was ruining our lives, it's a big deal. I, um, I understand the onlys, but I don't think it's I don't think it's really the right thing. Well, it's for. not good if it's comparing to yes. other people and feeling yes. less than because of it. And like like in the big book, anytime, in fact, it used to always jump on me where it says in the big book about the real alcoholic does such and such. Mm. And every time I would hear that, I would go, the real alcoholic. Hmm. 
I wonder if I'm real. And what it was, that's my alcoholism jumping on there, rattling its cage. Like, yeah. oh, maybe you're not a real alcoholic. <laughs> well, I guarantee you, you are a real alcoholic. <laughs> hey, who you calling an alcoholic? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I am. And you are too. Oh. Sam. Our guest today is from Australia. Now, I know you traveled all over the world in a previous job that you had. And I think you mentioned one time that you went to a meeting in Australia once. Eh, more than once. But yeah, I went several times while I was in Melbourne. Also in Hobart, Tasmania. Man, I loved going to meetings all over the world. But it was really cool going to a me meetings in Australia. I know. And it's incredible that meetings are in Australia. Meetings are all over the world, wherever yeah. we go. And those meetings exist because someone carried the message of recovery there long ago. And those who got sober cared enough to organize enough to keep it going. And our guest today is continuing to make AA happen. We'll meet Jeff S., Southern Regional Trustee, GSB Australia. GSB is General Service Board. And trustee means an enthusiast. <laughs> I think we'll find out. <laughs> but first, the news. Did you ever serve in the military sober? Were you ever stationed overseas or on a ship while trying to stay sober? What were AA meetings like in the military? What were some of the challenges? Did you find AA while serving? Tell us about being in AA while serving your country. Submit soon. Stories are due February 15th. And now a word from our sponsors. We don't have sponsors. What are you thinking? Oh, yeah. We don't do the commercial sponsor thing. Since the grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazine, on our website, or in our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept donations from AA members. If you want to support Grapevine and this podcast, visit aagrapevine.org slash store. Oh, yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Jeff. I'm an alcoholic. I'm living in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, my home group is the Deal Men's Group. Uh, my sobriety date is the 2nd of April, 2007. And I'm currently, my service commitment is uh, Southern Regional Trustee on the General Service Board. Um, I'm about midway through my four-year term doing that. Wow. So is that enthusiast? <laughs> I think yeah, I think you have to be an enthusiast to do to do well at any any role in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, a lot of work, um, but it's ultimately rewarding. Service has been a big big part of my recovery right from about my third week in AA. Yeah, always just the natural thing is to well, what's the next service commitment? Do you know when AA came to Australia? Approximately eighty years ago. Um, we'll be having our eightieth anniversary. We're looking at making plans for events and international gatherings and commemorative issues of things and, and all sorts uh, already. We aim to make this a, a big one. I think it shows to people that, you know, AA has been around a long time. It's strong. It works. And it shows any newcomers who are, you know, maybe just getting sober that year. 
you know, <laughs> you're part of something really big and something really good here. Well, Jeff, I happen to know that not only are you an enthusiast, you're a service nerd because that's how Don tells me he met you. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, yeah, during the COVID pandemic, I started getting online and going around the world. And I was, I was thinking, I wonder if there's any service-specific meetings. And I found service nerds in Greensboro, North Carolina. That's right. Where we sit and we discuss the... The service manual um we go through the concepts and we talk about all things related to service in aa and recovery and we have some amazingly great digressions they're a good bunch of people we're a small but dedicated uh, band of service nerds um always looking for more people you can find that the link to that meeting at nc23.org jeff so how did you hear about aa I heard a lot about AA, funnily enough, before I decided to quit, mainly on the end of sentences like, have you tried, or <laughs> you should go, or ever thought about, you know. I, I got sober through several visits to a rehab and, uh, you know, um, talking with the psychologists there and the inmates as well. Being a psychologist myself, you know, it was uh, such great fun being in therapy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, that was a really interesting experience, but um, there was people who had gone out and were coming back in as outpatients were talking about Alcoholics Anonymous. And for some reason, I always thought, well, I just don't believe in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's like I had no uh, evidence or reason to, to think that, you know, it was a contempt prior to investigation, as it says mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. But I saw these people getting sober. But I still didn't think that it was anything I was going to do. And when I was in there on the Wednesday night, when the AA folk came in to run a meeting for the inmates, um, I was tired. So I just went to my room. I don't know what it was, but then eventually um, I found myself in there yet again. You know, two years of fighting alcoholism, there's only one thing going to win, and it wasn't me. Mm. And I went to the inpatient group one night. The only folks that were there were me and the counsellor. And he basically 12-stepped me. He said that he had been in the fellowship for six months and it had got him sober. Oh, wow. He, uh, a psychologist, he went to various meetings and he gave me a list of meetings to start attending. I, you know, shrugged my shoulders and thought, you know, well, I'll, I'll go, but it won't be any good. Two days later, I had a home group, a sponsor, and, you know, I was getting running in the program. You know, it really went from there. So I guess that was my, uh, my moment of clarity. Um, also coupled with the, the medical doctor saying that uh, your liver function results and, and so forth are such that, you know, you might not survive another serious bout of drinking. And oh. I think that, that scared me a bit, you know. I was I stayed up all night to come up with a reason as to why I was different. But, you know, by 8 a.m. in the morning, I had nothing. <laughs> so it was being beaten into a state of reasonableness that gave you the willingness to listen? Or did you just so. hear something that you identified with and went, these people know what they're talking about? Yeah, all of the above there, really. I mean, I went along to the first meeting and it sounded sort of interesting. And I met a Russian guy and he suggested that I maybe went to his home group. You know, it was a strong group. Then I met him again the next day at another meeting. You know, he was doing all sorts of things like going to work every day. You know, he was running marathons. Not that I ever want to run marathons, but, you know, he was doing doing good stuff. And I thought, well, maybe he's got something. It just kind of went from there because I started listening to all these guys who were doing all that amazing to me stuff. You know, and the amazing stuff they were doing was just what civilians do. You know, they were going to work every day. 
not just when they wanted to. Hanging out with our families and enjoying it. Being sober and happy. You know, I could line up sober and miserable. I couldn't line up sober and happy. They had a secret. They had a key. You know, and I, I got a smell of it, and I thought, you know, I want a bit of this. And they told me all I have to do is listen and do what they've done. And man, and they were right. <laughs> so you were a therapist before. I was always in psychology research. I never, never went in for patients and what have you. Um, that could have been a recipe for a a lot of disasters for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) It pricked my interest as a psychologist. And I started looking at, as I was going through the 12 steps, you know, what are the psychological principles behind this? And it's not rocket surgery. You know, I could, (laughs) I could line those up. I can see why this is work. You know, that kind of strengthened the whole thing for me. I could see personally it was working. I could see examples of others and I could see intellectually why it should work and i thought these guys have got something here this is this is real this is really smart i'm in and that would have been around the point of my third and fourth step was there anything in there that was a surprise to you not really i mean that maybe the passing it on and doing it for others thing i thought you tack that on the end and make sure that the fellowship keeps going but there's so much more it keeps me honest because I can't I can't ask a sponsee to do something I'm not willing to do myself. I can't make up ideas and opinions to pass on to, to sponsees. I can only share the way that it's been shared with me. Yeah, you know. But you know, to give you an example of the intellectual thing, I saw around the fourth and fifth step that yes, I was making an inventory of my grosser handicaps and all that sort of stuff. But what I was what I was doing was making peace with the past. And civilians do that too. You know, they do that in massively expensive therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. But so when I started to see that, it took a lot of the fear out of the fourth step for me, fourth and fifth steps. Ah. You know, I thought, no one else did this stuff. You know, this isn't this is your stuff. And that kind of gave me that confidence to to take ownership on that. It is natural for us to have a fear of going into that uh, because it is such a an unprecedented task for so many of us. Mm, I had never done anything quite like that. No, 100%. It's not something that us, probably our civilians, take into our normal daily routine. Or shall I reflect on my past and where I've made mistakes? And I think the fear for me, probably, and for a lot of people, comes from the telling someone else part. My own kind of procrastination kind of worked in my favor for once. I finished step three with my sponsor and we got down on our knees and we did the stuff. And he said, right, now you're on to step four. We've covered it in home group recently. We did a book study and we go through it all. And so I knew I knew the recipe and I'd read the book and I knew what I was meant to be doing. So I got a bit of paper and I wrote fourth step at the top of it. And then I did absolutely nothing, <laughs> as is the want of a, an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And uh I called him oh, about a week later and he said, how's that fourth step going? I said, well, it's underway. Now, I wasn't lying because I had written fourth step on the piece of paper. It was mm-hmm. underway. And he said, oh, that's good to hear. Can you finish it off and we'll have a chat about it before the meeting tomorrow? <laughs> uh, the gift of desperation. <laughs> it meant I stuck to the point. You know, I didn't get bogged yeah. down in life story. It may, I isolated the incidents and the, the you know, the, the occurrences that I needed I needed to make peace with and I needed to deal with. The next day, we sat outside 
under a little shelter in the pouring rain and did my fifth step and mat. And we, we went through it and I, I told him all the things. He told me we made sure that I was aware of the character defects and how it was all operating. And he said, there's my copy of the big book. Off you go, do step six and seven. But what about the meeting? Matt, no, go and do step six and seven. Ooh. I remember crossing the road in the rain with a book, getting back in the car and feeling six foot tall. You know, well, I, I'm six foot two, but, you know, feeling, <laughs> feeling seven feet weight. tall. Seven feet tall. Eight feet <laughs> there tall. there was a weight we lifted, you know. Yeah. There was a weight lifted somehow. And my main care in the world at that point was not to damage Matt's big book. It was obviously a thing of great antiquity. It had notes and pages missing and the cover was all gone. And and I eventually said to him when I gave him it back the next week, you know, God, I was so worried about your losing your big book. And he said, well, why? I would have got another one. <laughs> yeah, there's the, alco- there's the alcoholism at work then. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love that story. Did you have trouble identifying the character defects? But I couldn't identify what my part was always. But in doing the fifth step, that's where I learned what it was because my sponsor knew right away what my part was. <laughs> I was kind of lucky because my home group, the deal is a very, very rigid, big book, straight down the middle kind of recovery group. When we go through the the big book and the book study, when we get to steps four and five, we write it up on the board and we actually go through the process as a group with the two presenters and we work through some genuine examples. Wow, that's fantastic. No, it was great. So I'd been through that two or three times before I got to actually having to do it myself. I got that distinction between being dishonest as in telling lies to another person and being dishonest to myself in keeping a resentment going and those sorts of little distinctions you know my part was not over here in in life my part was over here in my head where I was going that person thinks this that person thinks that you know I'm going to catch up with him and I'm going to stab him in the eye you know and then the next time you know I'm going to cut his head and and so that's that's I kind of got that because it had been spelled out for me by those in front of me. And my sponsor was just right for me. He got me. I didn't get him. He, he ran interference on my way out of the meeting and said, I'll be your sponsor. Here's my number. Call me tomorrow. Best sponsorship that I have experienced are sponsors that I didn't pick. They picked me or they were recommended. Mm. There's a fourth step and fifth step have to be complete the first time you reach it. If you've done enough to make a start, if you're willing to sit down with your sponsor with what you've got, you can always say, now you got the hang of it. Do you want another week? And we'll, we'll meet again next, this time next week and we'll finish this off. And I've done that with one sponsee because he had one, he had one thing on his list that was, it was a biggie. Mm-hmm. It was, it was something really big and horrible. And it took us a long time to disentangle that one. Now I ended up um, suggesting that he went and got, you know, professional outside assistance. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned um, seeking some outside help because AA is not the fix for everything. Mm. Oh, 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, the the one that I hear a lot is, is AA members offering advice, well-intentioned advice about um, medications. Mm. You know, anybody, the only person I want to hear advice about medications from is my doctor. Here, here. Yeah, You know, when it comes to medical stuff, 
that doctor, he or she is a higher power compared to me. Yes. You know, here's a here's a training versus uh, alcoholism. Thank you. I know where I'm going for my advice. <laughs> um, but similarly, you hear it about all sorts of things. You know, I always just try and say to people, look, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is a great way of addressing your problem of alcoholism. You get that squared away, you've cleared the decks and you've got a fighting chance of addressing any other problems and issues that you may have. If you need to seek outside help, go do that. I've done it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had counseling, I've had that, and it was very helpful. It was nothing to do with alcoholism per se. Plays a part, of course, because it's who I am. But that's why these people are out there. My experience of counseling and therapy while I was drinking versus what I did after I got sober, absolutely night and day. Yeah, me too. I went to a therapist. I knew that I had this ball of anxiety inside. And if I could figure out what that was, then I wouldn't have to drink out of control. And I learned all about that ball of anxiety and what it was, but it never touched the drinking. I went to AA. I was able to stop drinking. That worked. And I continued with the therapist after that. And now Mm. I'm seven feet tall. A spiritual (laughs) gas giant. (laughs) I mean, how many of us, how many of us have sat in therapy and answered the question, do you drink? Oh, yes, I do enjoy a drink. How often, how much do you drink? Oh, probably, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 beers over the week. (laughs) What I actually meant was, you know, eight or 10 beers on top of a bottle of vodka a day. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, what is your recovery like today? What do you do to stay sober today? I don't pick up a drink of alcohol under any circumstances. I mean, that sounds flippant. There's an awful lot behind the scenes that makes that possible. (laughs) I still attend regular frequent meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. I do a mixture of in-face and in-face, in-person and online. In your um, face. That might be well, why people have a problem with you as a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, that's the sponsorship style, eh? <laughs> in face. I got sober and I did it in your face. <laughs> no, uh, regular meetings, um, a mixture of meetings. I do spiritual concept meeting, do the service meeting. I do the secular AA meetings. And, of course, I'm heavily involved with service committee meetings and you know i had one yesterday for the national convention organizing committee Uh, you know there's various board committees and working groups that i'm involved with so we always complain and i know from service nerds that it's the same probably globally that we don't attract enough new folks into service positions and wanting to work in service and i think we go about it the wrong way I think we hold workshop and lectures and discussions. When, I mean, do you know, you guys have been sober a good while. Do you want to go and hear somebody stand there and prattle on for an hour on concept three? No, you don't. <laughs> you know, I might, I might, but then I'm a serviceman. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? I think we sell it the wrong way. I think we should be saying through doing service, through being a DCM, a delegate, it gave me this in my civilian life. It showed me how to operate. It helped me get better at my job. It helped me get better at being a dad. It helped me, you know, be a better person and get away from the nuts and bolts about committee meetings and, you know, motions and all that kind of stuff. You know, service makes you a better person is the message I think we should be selling. And we do a very, very poor job of that. I maybe don't go to 
as many general meetings as I used to, but I'm certainly talking to as many alcoholics. You know, we're maybe not sharing program, but we're sh- we're living in the results and sharing the results of the program. Beautiful, yes. Which for me that. strengthens my strengthens my sobriety too, because yeah, you know, when you're having it, you could be having a discussion about you know changing paragraph three, subsection four of some pamphlet, um, and then somebody will just chime in with, "Well, yeah, you know, I was discussing it with my sponsor, and here she said, blah blah blah," and you just go, "Oh, I'm having that." You know, love it. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is mine. That's going down in the notebook. Um, and then you start you start thinking about it, and you you know you use it and you pass it on, and that's that's just how this program works, and that's that's how I stay sober this these days. Lots of contact with a variety of alcoholics for different reasons, different stages of sobriety, different backgrounds. Um, I probably have got slack on not talking to my sponsor as often as I should. But you'd certainly the first on speed dial should something come up. Yeah. So as he said himself, he's on my side even when I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So <laughs> what I'm hearing, Jeff, is that AA is incorporated into your life. My recovery became a part of my life when it was practicing these principles in all of my affairs. I got a lot more content with life. Mm. Yeah, up until I was about oh, maybe two, two and a half years sober. I was doing a lot of AA meetings and I was doing a lot of stuff in AA and I was kind of coming home from AA and then I was doing home and then yeah. I was going out to work and I was doing work. And eventually my, my sponsor said, are you hiding out in AA? Back half a step 12, as you said there, you know, practice these principles in all our affairs, but you have to actually go out and get some affairs. Mm. Uh, and, and by that, I don't mean that type of affair. <laughs> 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 you know, oh, doing the stuff that civilians <laughs> do, you know, oh, that's roll cool. your hands up, roll your sleeves up and get stuck into work, you know, help people there, go above and beyond there, do that, um, you know, get on the committee of your clubs that you're involved in and do it. And that's where it all started to get clearer and make a lot more sense and just felt that contentment, you know. I didn't get the billionaire status and the fast cars and the massive mansions that you kind of think about when you're on your 14th beer of the morning, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I got what I needed and I got where I should be because of my own efforts, you know. I was self-supporting through my own contributions. It just makes life, I'll not say easy, bad bad stuff happens. Just because you're sober doesn't mean you're you're living some rose-colored life of, of ease and comfort. But it lets me have a faith that I have the ability to overcome. And the way I'll do that is by reaching out to other people and getting that help, getting that advice that I never used to do. There's always somebody around the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous who has been through whatever problem you're currently facing. Whatever it is. And if it ain't your sponsor, he or she will help you find someone who has. And I've never had a bad steer yet through allowing my problems to be helped by fellow alcoholics in recovery. You always end up coming out the other side thinking, whoa, that was that was horrible, but it's over now. You know, and then my thought immediately turns to, well, I know I can help the next person in the barrel when it's their turn. It's not that life that everything goes great after you get sober, but one thing is I don't make things worse. And the other thing is, there's someone who's been there before and says, this is the way I got through it, and I can get through. I'm confident I can get through anything. 
So absolutely. Now it's not necessarily that life gets better, but we get better at living life. That's yeah. it. And we're better off hearing from you, Jeff, today. I really appreciate you. Being absolutely. Here. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. No, it's been great. Really enjoyed it. So you need the help of a lawyer again. I've gotten you off twice. This is your third DWI. Do you think you might have a problem? I sure do. I need to stop driving. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.